You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Do your approach shots suck in disc golf and do you want to improve them? Do you want to be getting more pars and even some birdies? Get those rounds turned around in today's episode with our top tips on how to do a better approach shot. Let's get into it right now. Alright everyone, welcome into the Chain Clankers Disc Golf Podcast. Thank you for joining us. If you are new to the program, we highly appreciate you being here with us today. Got a great one for you guys. We're going to be talking about approach shots. How can you stop sucking at approach shots and start carding more pars and more birdies? I think something that's also very critical about the approach shot is how can you make those less stressful? I think the more stress that you put on yourself in disc golf, the harder it is going to be to play a full 18 holes at your best. So if we can have more tap-in birdies, more tap-in pars, I think that is going to allow you to have improvement in other areas of your game. Let's get into it, everyone. So the first thing that you need to do to fix your approach shot is you need to assess your lie. So when you get up to your disc, look at what's around. Is there some leaves on the ground? Is there logs, sticks, water, mud, thorns? What is directly on the ground next to your disc? And remember, you have a sheet's width of paper to be able to go, you know, your foot can go as long as it's within a, sh a paper sheet, a typical standard paper sheet, like from a printer, then you will be able to have your foot in that little imaginary box. So your foot doesn't have to be touching your disc when you throw. So assessing your lie is very important because you need to make sure you have good, stable foot placement and you want to make sure that you've got good balance, you can get a good shot off. You know, I think this is very important if you maybe have a downhill or an uphill as well. Like, are you going to be able to actually run up? Are there any divots in the ground? Are you going to maybe roll your ankle? I think those are things that you really need to be paying attention to and understanding that will only give you more confidence in your upshot. Along with that, you want to look down range and you want to look toward what you are approaching. Are there trees? Is there water in the way? Is it downhill at the end? Is it uphill at the end? There's so many different different things that you need to kind of think and ask yourself as you're approaching your lie. And I think you can do that while you are approaching your lie and then put everything together at the end once you're there before you take your shot. And that brings me to the next point. You need to understand how the wind is going to affect your approach shot. In Kansas, on this podcast, you've heard us say that it's almost more 
weird to play disc golf when there's no wind than when there's 20 miles per hour wind. So we've got a lot of windy disc golf and maybe you're used to that, but maybe you aren't used to that. You need to understand how the wind is going to impact your approach shot. So something that is interesting to me on that is that a tailwind will make your shot shorter where a headwind is going to make your shot longer. It's not physically making it longer. It's not like you have a 150 foot approach and now all of a sudden it's a 200 foot approach, but it's going to feel different. You're going to have to throw the disc differently. So let's take that same scenario. We are 100 feet away from the basket. If you are throwing into a tailwind, so that is the wind is going toward your target, right? So you can feel the wind on your back and it's going the direction you're facing. Where a headwind, it's literally hitting you in the face. It's a, it's a headwind, okay? So you have a tailwind and you're throwing a 150 foot approach. Really, it's going to feel a lot more like a 125 foot approach because of how the wind is going to be carrying the disc. Where into a headwind, there's going to be more stoppage. There's going to be more, I'm trying to think of the science term. This is more of a math podcast than a science podcast. More like air friction that is going to stop the disc from going as far towards the target. So instead of 150 feet, it's going to feel more like 175 foot. You're going to throw it with that kind of power in order to get the same result. And you know, those numbers aren't going to be exact, but that's a, a really good approximation. Understanding that the wind is going to impact your disc will also allow you to know what kind of nose angle you're throwing it on, right? You don't want to throw your disc at a nose angle in which the wind is going to slam it into the ground really early on or it's going to lift it up into the air and it's going to hyze her out. Maybe you have a crosswind. I think that's a really tough one, right? If you have a crosswind, if you have a wind that's going from the right to the left, you have to be very careful if you're throwing a hyzer approach because if you expose too much of that flight plate to the wind, it's going to carry your disc very far to the left and off course, off target, right? Where if it's vice versa, if you're throwing a hyzer into the wind, it's going from left to right, maybe it doesn't hyzer as much as you would think it would. So you have to change where you're initially throwing the disc. So understanding the wind is going to be very important to fixing your approach shot. So recap real quick. You get up to your lie. You assess your lie. The next thing that's going through your mind, what is the wind doing? How is this going to impact my throw? Do I need to put more on this throw? Do I need to put less on this throw? Those are kind of some questions you want to be asking yourself, which leads us to the third point here is you want to make sure you're pointing your shoulders in the direction you want to throw. So you always want to have your body facing the where you want the disc to be, right? So let's take this for driving real quick. Actually, no, let's not take it to driving. I'm going to use another example. I'm going to use two different sport examples. I've used the baseball one, so I'm going to say it again. If you are pitching, right, if you're a pitcher in baseball, if you throw the ball and you are falling forward toward home plate, you have a higher likelihood of that ball being a strike and going to the intended destination. Where if you're falling off to the left or to the right, you're gonna be outside of the strike zone more often than not. Same thing with basketball, right? If you're shooting and your shoulders are squared up, 
to the basket and you're shooting toward the basket, then you are going to find more success than if you're jumping to the left of the basket, the left of your intended target, and you're then trying to overcorrect. So it's the exact same thing in disc golf, right? You want to have your shoulders square to the target. You want to be facing the target. You want your body moving, following through in the direction of the target. And this is something that's very important because it will determine your throw's starting point, right? It kind of determines the stability of your disc, and, and I'll kind of get into those here in a little bit, but it determines how your throw is going to go toward your intended target, which brings me to the fourth point here, right? The fourth point is about the intended target. Are you aiming for the basket? I want you to ask you this yourself right now. Are you aiming for the basket every time when you approach? I'll give you a second to think about that. If the answer is yes, that is not good. You don't want to always be aiming for the basket. That is actually bad. You're going to see yourself have more discs and throws that are further away from the target than what you intended. And I've harped on this in this podcast before. You want to create a landing zone around the basket. If you are comfortable making a putt from five feet and no further, five feet and in is your no sweat zone. You don't even have to think about it. You're 100% confident. You need to find a way for your approach shot to be within inside that five feet. If it's 10 feet, okay, cool. You have a 10 foot diameter all the way around the basket, 20 feet, even better, right? So you can kind of get what I'm saying. And this kind of also goes back to the wind that I was talking about earlier. If you're throwing into a tailwind and you throw past the basket, you now have to putt into a headwind. So if you don't like putting into a headwind, you want to make sure you come up short of the basket so you still have a tailwind putt instead of being in a position where now you have to make a 20 footer into a ripping headwind. That sounds terrifying to me personally. So that's something you want to keep in mind. So you have your circle around the basket. This is your comfort zone. And you are finding a way to land the disc inside that comfort zone. Doing that, you will see more of your accuracy will be shooting up. It'll be going through the roof. And if you're not aiming for the physical basket itself, you're going to allow yourself to have more of those tap-ins, more of those stress-easy pars, It's just something that when you do, you will see results right away. I was the same way when I was new to disc golf. I was like, if I'm not aiming for the basket, I'm losing a stroke potentially, right? I can throw it in from 150 feet out and get a birdie here. But more times than not, probably 90 times out of 95, I wouldn't even come close to the basket. And maybe one out of 100 times I would hit it. So it's one of those things where you you need to find that comfort zone, work on your putting, be comfortable landing there, and put the disc where it needs to go to find your landing zone, your comfort circle. And that can go for anywhere down the fairway, right? Let's say your approach is 300 feet, but you know you're not going to be able to make the basket. Well, what's an area you would like to land in? Do you want to land in the tall grass on the right side of the fairway or do you want to land on the left side of the fairway where you're pinched off? Or if you can land in the middle of the fairway, you're going to have a nice easy look at it. So those are kind of the questions you want to ask yourself and determine where your landing zone is and just try to put it in that landing zone. 
The next tip that I have for you guys to improve your approach shot is you want to have multiple shot styles. You don't want to just have a backhand when you are approaching the green or if you're making a another throw and then you're going to be approaching the green after that. If you only have a backhand, you can get in the situation where you're stuck. Like let's say you're pinched off or you have to do a patent pending and you're not really good at that either or there's just physically no way for you to get around this tree. There's no way to attack the green with a backhand. That's why it's important that you learn forehand also. And I think the approach game, especially that 100, 150 foot and in, is one of the best places to learn how to improve and just how to throw your forehand in general. Because you don't have to put a whole lot on it. And you're able to just knock out a ton of reps. And so I think learning that forehand is going to be very, very good for your approach game because now you're going to have options. Maybe you don't like the wind. Maybe you're throwing that hyzer and you don't want to throw into a right to left headwind. You know that's a recipe for disaster. Well, okay, throw into the wind the other way with a forehand, right? So I think that's just an example of how having multiple shot styles work out. Maybe there's some trees down and you physically cannot get to the green from where you're at, but you can throw a tomahawk. You can throw a grenade. I'm not saying you should sit in for hours and hours a day. You should be working on throwing tomahawks and grenades. I'm just saying if you dabbled with it every now and then, if you dabbled with a forehand roller every now and then, you know, for maybe every 10 forehand and backhand shots you throw, throw one or two of those special shots. I think just kind of having that in your arsenal a little bit is allowing you to just find different avenues to get the disc closer to being in the basket, which is the whole point of approaching the target. The next one I got for you, and we're ripping through this, guys. If you're enjoying this podcast, this is going to be a quick one for you guys. I wanted to get you something quick that you can take to the field right away. Leave a like rating if you're watching on YouTube. Highly appreciate that over there. Drop a rating and review on Spotify and or Apple Podcasts. We highly appreciate your guys' support over there. Follow us on Instagram at Clankers. Those interactions that we have with you guys are very much appreciated. And something I would like to do, if you're still listening to this podcast, something I would like to do is I want to have you guys send me some of your videos throwing and maybe on this podcast, Trenton and myself and maybe even a guest will break down that form and it'll literally be like a big form check episode. So I think that would be a ton of fun. So if you've got some forms, send it over our way and maybe you will get on or maybe we'll just shout it out on Instagram and do some comments on there. So we'd love to hear from you over there. Highly appreciate your guys' support. If you're not in our Facebook group, definitely check that out as well. Sorry, guys. One more little ad read before we move on. I do want to take a minute to thank our amazing sponsors in 2022. OTP Discs, always hooking up with the best plastic. Discs.usa, they have really helped our putting practice. And and Upper Park, the bags are just fantastic. They're super-duper comfortable, and they hold a lot of discs. So, if you guys are getting that Black Friday, Cyber Monday shopping, you got some disc golfers in your family, you're looking to get a disc, 
Head over to OTB Discs and use our promo code CLANKERS. You get free shipping, which is very nice, especially this time of year. And disc style, if you want to improve your putting, I mean, it's the same price as buying a putter. So you could buy another putter or you could buy something that's going to help you improve your putting. I would highly recommend checking them out. Clinkers 10 saves you 10% as well. Or sorry, Chain Clinkers saves you 10%, where Clinkers 10 at Upper Park will save you 10% as well on their amazing bags. And maybe you don't need the most expensive bag. That's okay. If you're new to disc golf, get a little pinch bag or one of their smaller bags. A shift bag is fantastic for every disc golfer out there. And they are truly some of the best bags in the game. So that's enough with the commercials. Thank you guys for listening to those. Let's get back to the list. So the next thing that I want to talk to you about is that not every shot has to be a hyzer. These last two tips are going to be a little bit controversial and you're going to hear a lot of other channels not say exactly what I'm about to say, but I think that groupthink is bad and I think we need to find different ways to improve our games. And if we're all doing the exact same thing, then we're probably not getting better and we're not transforming and innovating. So I think that not every approach shot has to be a hyzer. A lot of players are going to tell you that you need to grab that overstable approach disc and you need to throw a hyzer every single time. Same thing with the forehand. You need to throw the forehand hyzer, right? Why does the hyzer have to be the only shot to approach the green? I think that throwing it straight at where you want it to be, putting a little Anheuser on it, you're going to have a little bit more success. I mean, if you have a if you've got a ripping wind coming at you and you put your overstable disc on a little bit of Anheuser and then kind of let it ride and come back, you don't have to throw it as hard because the disc stability is going to do it for you. I think you're going to have success there. And and a problem that I personally have is sometimes if I have a Heiser approach, I'll put too much Heiser on it and I'll either nose up and and it's 30 feet away or it's just long and it's not a good shot. It's way past my landing zone. And so I think it's important to know that it doesn't have to be a hyzer. I, I think it's important that you build consistency and you are able to practice throwing the same shot again and again and again. But I don't think it has to be a hyzer. I think if you work on throwing anhyzers at the basket, if you work on throwing straight, to your landing zone, I think you're going to find success. I think sometimes every player is like, yeah, you have to throw a hyzer. And you see as a new player, a lot of people, that's what they do. They approach with a hyzer and they approach with one of those specific discs. That's like, oh, well, I guess I have to use this method in order to approach. And I just don't think that's true. I think mixing it up, I think playing different is going to allow you to have a little bit of success there. And, and that brings me to the, this next point of, I don't think you have to throw an approach disc every time you're approaching the green. And this again is going to be controversial because you're going to hear a lot of people say, no, you need to throw that zone. You need to throw that culprit. That way you're actually getting to the intended destination. But I just, Lately, I'm having a hard time buying into that 100%. And I'll lay out the argument for the other side. Sure, if you're using a high-speed driver, you're going to be more likely to skip further away from the basket or your landing zone. But if you just kind of angle your body and assess your lie in the right spot, square your shoulders up to your target, and you know you're going to get a little bit of a skip 
then just adjust where you're throwing question mark like that just kind of makes sense to me and the the good thing about throwing those discs is if you're sitting at 150 feet like i know for me let's say 150 feet i have to throw that i have to throw a zone with a good amount of pop to get it to the landing zone where i can pick up like i don't know a saint pro and I can just kind of give it a little flick of the wrist on forehand on a little bit of Anheuser. And because it's so stable, I know by the time it gets to the basket, it's going to come out of it. And I've been, I, you know, I've done this with Enigma, Zeus. Like I've done this with all kinds of high speed drivers as well. Is that I think you can take some of those discs, put them on a little bit of Anheuser and just give it a nice little flick and let or you same thing with backhand right i like to do a flick because i feel like i can control it just a little bit more than my backhand but i think if you do that then you're in a position to where you barely threw it so you're not putting even more stress on your arm you're probably not going to be going super far past the basket because you weren't intending to throw it super hard and i think more times than not you're going to be pretty close to the basket or you're going to be landing in your landing zone and the wind, because it's a higher speed disc, it's not going to be affected as much. It's probably going to be a little bit heavier as well, where if you're looking at your approach disc, the wind might pick that up quicker and move it off of its intended line. So I think the notion that you always have to throw a hyzer and you always have to throw a four or five speed approach disc, I think that's wrong. I think you can use the ground play. I think you can have a little bit of fun with those other discs and get just as close. And sometimes something I like to do with my buddies when we're just kind of goofing around is I'll take that like Enigma, Zeus, DD3, whatever it is, and I'll find a spot on the ground and I'll try to skip it off of that and into the basket. And it's happened a couple of times and it's always pretty cool when it happens. But I mean, you can't do that with an approach disc, right? So if you're in a situation where you really can't get to the target and you don't ever practice this, it you know might be worth kind of switching it up and just throwing that in there. And I, I think using those discs, and if anything, you can turn them over and slide them as well if you really have to. I just, I just really think that you don't have to conform to what everyone else says in disc golf. I think this is a great opportunity to try something new. Just see what happens. If you try it for a little bit and it doesn't work for you, okay, move on. But I think just give it a little bit of a try, put it into your practice routine just a little bit, and I, I think it will help your game for sure. And the last one, guys, is if you want to build that consistency, you obviously have to practice, 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 practice. As with anything in disc golf, the more that you practice, the more reps you get, the more comfortable you are with your bag and your discs, the better you're going to play, the better your approach shots are going to be. And I think this is something, it's not like you have to spend hours and hours on. I'm not the biggest fan of people throwing out their arms when they're doing field work. So, you know, a little 20 minutes here, maybe 50 shots. I think that's pretty good. A nice little quick hitter. You got some reps in, you're building that consistency because I think something that's bad about setting goals and expectations is when you set them too high, right? We all want to achieve our goals, but if you're like every single day, I'm throwing a thousand up shots, that's great. If you're trying to go on the pro tour and you have the time and lifestyle to be able to do that, absolutely do that. Good for you. But I know I don't have time for that. And you probably don't have time for that also. So for me, I just try to like to get 50 in and then I'll put. 50 putts, go back inside. Maybe I'll do it one or two more times during the evening. 
I think that is so good. I think that's going to help your gazes game a whole lot. If you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure you hit that like button over on YouTube, as well as leave a rating and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I would love to hear what are your thoughts on this episode. Comment down below on these tips. How many of these are you going to implement into your game? What did I miss? Let me know in the comments and over on Instagram and Facebook at Chen Clinkers. I'd love to hear what is the one tip you were thinking this whole time or maybe you've heard before you heard after this what is it that we didn't cover in this episode i'd love to hear it so maybe we can try it out and incorporate it into a new episode coming out in the future thank you guys for all your support as always i know we don't say it enough but we really cannot do this without you guys you guys are amazing and we are so beyond thankful that you are still supporting us the chain clinkers and with all that said thank you guys and we will see you guys next week 